0: Freedom is all about choices, and while there is only one Jeep brand, you have the freedom to choose from an epic lineup of Jeep brand vehicles. Hit the trails with a versatile classic, the Jeep Gladiator, or experience the wild in style with the sophistication and comfort of the Jeep Grand Cherokee or Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe. Looking for a more immersive experience? Let nature come to you in the open-air Jeep Wrangler or Jeep Wrangler 4xe, America's best-selling plug-in hybrid. Whatever you choose, adventure is just one drive away. Visit Jeep.com for details. Based on 2022 CYQ4 sales, GD Power retail sales data, Jeep is a registered trademark.
1: This is the Greg Scheinman Podcast. The Greg Scheinman Podcast. Brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. Hey, welcome to the Greg Scheinman Podcast. I am your host. Obviously, uh, Greg Scheinman. On the show today, we have my good friend and confidant and entrepreneur, Narian. Ariel of Mascot Books. Naren, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Greg. Happy to be here.
1: Hey, so, so this is, this is going to be kind of interesting because Naren and I have known each other for, for years. Um, there's a fun little backstory here. So I'm going to try to get to the, to the formalities of, of his business and let Naren take, uh, take us through all that. But, but the reality is, you know, uh, every entrepreneur should, should have a friend and a confidant like, like Naren. Uh, Someone who's who's just—we laugh about this all the time—as we've become really good, really good friends and kind of advisors, counsel, um, therapists. I I guess you would say to to one another over over the years. But someone who's mostly to you, yes, mostly exactly, mostly to me. But someone who's who's just far enough away, um, even geographically, and also not close enough, both personally. And professionally, you know, somebody who can be completely honest, uh, with you because they can't see you every day. Uh, so instead of falling for your bullshit, uh, they actually call you on it. Um, and that, that's really kind of, I think what, what's developed between us over the years in, in that we've kind of come to rely on one another when we have things to talk about, whether they're personal or professional, um, certainly as it relates to, to balance in life, um. Business, personal life, family, finances, uh, all of that stuff. Um, and at the same time, Naren's in in D.C. Uh, in that area, and I'm and I'm over here in, in Houston, Texas. But but let's get into let's get into your story a little bit, Naren. Um, first,
0: sure. If I could, if I could just say one thing about what you just said, though. Yeah. Um, and you and I have joked about this. Uh, I've never met your kids or your wife. We don't mix business, and family. And likewise, you have not met my family either. So it's kind of funny.
1: It, it is. And at the same time, we've been together. Um, we've traveled together. We've done trade shows together in the past. Um, I think we even spoke at a university once uh, in, in Virginia You know, together. But we've kept everything else um, somewhat separate. But at the same time, you probably know more about all, all of that um, than, than just about anybody. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right, and if there's something to be said for um, you know two entrepreneurs that uh, understand what life is like being an entrepreneur, and uh, that's not something you find. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy to know you, Greg.
1: Well, the, well, the feeling is 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 mutual, and I think um, you know kind of what we what we exemplify a little bit is that whole concept that that we've talked about a lot that that midlife male concept of guys just trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, and that balance again, between all of the obligations and scenarios and things that we've managed to somehow get ourselves into um, just again, how to continue to put, put one foot in front of the other and, and persevere and make things make things happen. And that's uh that's probably an ideal segue to get you talking a little bit about what you have done with myth mascot books. And I'll, and I'll tee it up a little bit and then you can, written me a new one on this but um Naren story is wife basically starts a company mascot books um and xy and now xy I was going to get into it. wife starts company husband effectively leaves job to join company husband helps build company wife you know and husband no longer you know <laughs> husband's left with the company the business the challenges um and and how to make it make it work so Naren's one of the strongest people I know, uh, one of the funniest, one of the people I'm closest to without actually being, again, geographically close to. Uh, I could do hours of shows with him, and in fact, would probably uh, plan to or, or should at least just record our phone calls. Um, so, so, he, so here we go on this. Tell me and tell us about mascot books and, and how this got started.
0: Sure. So um, it was back in 2003, and at the time... I was working as a lawyer um, slash corporate development guy for venture-funded technology companies in Northern Virginia. And I'd, I'd been with three different uh, high-flying, well-funded, venture, venture-funded uh, technology companies that I thought each of those were going to be my ticket um, to riches because I was uh, in, in receipt of some stock options. And so this is, uh, think back to that time. Of course, each of these three companies crashed and and burned and failed miserably. Um, And so I was was figuring out what I wanted to do next. And right around that time, uh, we were down at my alma mater, Virginia Tech, and we used to enjoy going to football games. And my daughter, who was two or three at the time, she loved the game day experience. She loved, um, she didn't like the X's and O's, of course, but she liked things like uh, um, the mascot, the marching band, the cheerleaders, Actually, I like the cheerleaders, too. Um, But she wanted a children's book starring my alma mater's mascot, Hokie Bird. And so not finding a book in the campus bookstores, um, we wrote a silly little children's book called Hello, Hokie Bird, on the drive home. And Hello, Hokie Bird uh, was a simple tale about the mascot at Virginia Tech going around campus, stopping at key Virginia Tech landmarks on his way to the big game where, of course, he was going to cheer his team to victory over the arch-rival. And in this case, that meant the University of Virginia. And so the book was uh, written, and my daughter just loved it. And we read it to her maybe a hundred times, and then we decided, you know what, maybe we should uh, actually follow through on this and get some illustrations and publish this book. And so that's what we did, and it was a hobby. Um, I got with the university, got a license, found an art student from the art department, and worked on this thing, um, fumbled through, because keep in mind, I had no experience in the world of publishing. And um, shortly thereafter, 5,000 books were delivered uh, to my driveway, and it was an incredibly um, happy day. It was a proud moment. Um, And shortly thereafter, I was uh, hit with the reality that I didn't know anything about selling books, so that uh, joy turned into fear almost instantly. (laughs) And so that was the first book, Hello, Hokey Bird. And what we found is there was a real market for content that um, that was aimed toward uh, fans of particular universities. In this case, um, wanting to share their next their love for their alma mater with the next generation. And uh, the book came out. It did great. We sold out in a matter of two months. And that's when uh, light bulb went off and said, Hey, you know what? There's a business opportunity here. Um, we just did quite nicely um, with one book for one university. What if we took this simple model and replicated it uh, across the board? And uh, in a year's time, we had 45 titles out uh, for various universities um, before getting into uh, the uh, professional sports team market. And uh, that's how Mascot Books got started.
1: So you said. In one year's time, you went from a single single title for the Hokie Birds to 45 titles. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's right. It, it about killed me. And, and, and just keep in mind, I knew absolutely nothing about um, the world of publishing. Uh, the, looking back at the initial titles that we did, um, it was actually a brilliant way to get into the world of publishing uh, on the backs of brands that people know and adore. Um, so it really took the risk out of. Uh, entry into this marketplace which is a terribly inefficient marketplace um, for us and and so yeah we produced 45 books in a year's time and um, these are the this is our first series and we've gone on to do a lot more which I'm sure we'll talk about but um, you know the 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 quality of our work has increased um, tenfold since those first books and um, yeah that's how we got our start and that's how I met you.
1: Yes. So how we actually met. Um, so, so Naren, Naren, uh, is is out running mascot books and, and, and blazing this path. And, and I get this idea, uh, at the time for, well, if, if this guy's doing books, um, well, well, I should do videos, you know, like baby Einstein's pretty hot. So what if we, what if we had a team baby, team baby type video for this? Um, so what? What did I do? Did I, I? Did I call you? Did I call? I called Amy, right? Well, the l- kinda, let me
0: let me let me yeah. tell your listeners, Greg. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. All, all, anybody out there, you should su- subscribe to the show now. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> because, let it, let them rip through this one. Yeah. So t- so tell me, tell me come what a great guy I was. What did I do?
0: <laughs> this is how all great relationships get started. So, <laughs> Greg. You know, very smart guy. He wants to do his homework, do his research. Um, find out about a business and if there's any pitfalls or potholes uh, that others have uh, sort of slammed into, he's going to avoid them. And so uh, he contacted my uh, wife and uh, basically asked her everything there is to know about, uh, asked her everything there is to um, ask about uh, what we were doing, how we got started, you know, what's up, what's down. Um, and, And so he interviewed her and I think you were loosely affiliated with some media at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, but, like, uh, like now. <laughs> loosely yeah. <affiliated>. yeah. <laughs> Greg was running a podcast even before there were podcasts back in 2003. <laughs> exactly. So
1: cool. I think I was working for, for b at the time. Uh, and I'm sitting okay. there at my desk going, this is never going to last. There's, there's no way <laughs> I'm working for this company for like any longer than I absolutely have to. It was like. And anything done there was like turning around a cruise ship. It took for fucking ever. So, so I'm looking for the next big, bright idea. So I stumble upon you guys.
0: <laughs> so so uh, my, my ex-wife tells me about this, and, you know, I didn't – it was just a thing, right? Somebody was interviewing her, and I was like, oh, that's nice. Maybe something will come of it. And, and sure enough, something came of it. About three, four months later, I run into Greg Scheinman at a trade show, and I was like, hey, aren't you the reporter? And then he told me about his uh, new concept, Team Baby. I was like, hold on. Hold on a second. This, this sounds familiar.
1: So, so it does. And as you said, what a, what a great way for, uh, for relationships to start. So, so we're next to each other at trade shows. At this point, you've got mascot books, and it's, and it's, and it's humming, if, if you will. And I've got uh, te- Team Baby Entertainment, the, uh, the video version, if you will, Raising Tomorrow's Fan Today. Um, Trying to create, you know, similar similar DVD titles for kids um, that are licensed for all the universities, and we're you're hawking books, and I'm and I'm hocking DV, DVDs, right? And this is also again where where it gets a little interesting. I think you know, in parallel paths or, or entrepreneurs out there trying to trying to work towards things. You know, your business, the way I saw it, kind of kind of kept going. You know, it just kind of kept growing. It was it was chugging along, you know, a little bit, um, but but growing. And you really stayed focused. Um, you know, and and mine, I guess, had this this explosive growth. Like this, I had the guy come along, you know, the Michael Eisner come along and and buy the business, if you will, or invest in the business. And press was coming out, and it seemed all hot and sexy. Um, but a little bit of be careful what you wish for, you know, in there. Whereas you just continued to kind of grind, continue to kind of grind and, and and even see the writing on the wall about about the licensing industry um, and kind of pivot your company. And, and and we'll get into that in a little bit. And while you're doing all that and kind of making all all the right moves, um, you know, Team Baby is getting a lot of press and the ISO involvement. But the next thing we know, you know, we're, DVDs are kind of going in the opposite direction and and we're not modernizing uh, or keeping up with it. We, we had all kinds of, of issues with a high profile partner also, you know, there's, there's good and bad. Um, Tell me a little bit about, again, like how that at that period was for you and kind of, what you did with mascot books, because obviously you're still in business uh, and, and crushing it uh, and, and Team Baby Entertainment is on, is on the shelf somewhere, you know, in, uh, in California, you know, never to be thought of again. So obviously you've, you've done something right. So take me through through that period a little bit. Uh, and we've talked about about how it kind of felt and what you kind of kind of did with your own business.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, and and by the way, I really think the team baby should have focused on the on the Betamax market. I think <laughs> I think the outcome would have been different.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just like Top's Top should have gotten out of the baseball card business a while ago too, right? <laughs> but
0: <laughs> so so uh, yeah. So what, what we did is um, it, it was actually you know I don't know that I've ever told you this, but it was uh, it was interesting because you guys were getting all the pub, all the love, uh, high profile. Investor um, Michael Eisner doesn't get any higher profile than than that, and um, you know there was some envy for sure. And and so you know going back to how we found ourselves in a in a trade show together, if anyone's done the trade show circuit, you know that you get to know your neighbors quite a bit. And so when when you and I stumbled upon each other, um, man, there was some. Uh, um, I don't want to say. I think there was a rivalry at least I felt it right and maybe you didn't but you know we're competitive people and and we want to we want to kick ass and if that means kicking ass of the guy that's next to you you want to do that right yeah, but there, so uh, there there there's such a
1: movie. There, there's such a movie in that, or some kind of show, like in the trade show world, of of just looking around at the other booths, you know, like the ones that have all the people around them that seem like they're selling everything. Like you're totally envious and jealous of that. And then the ones that are empty, you know, like that, then nobody will come by, and you walk around the trade show floor, and you're like, my idea is better than that, my product's better than that, or
0: <laughs> that guy's an idiot. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're, you've been on you've been on your toes on your feet all day. Your feet are killing you. And there's you know I've been to many trade shows and YouTube you have as well where there are more exhibitors than there are actual buyers, and yeah. so maybe it was one of those I don't remember
1: there there's something in that we should write that at some point you know one day where there's some <laughs> there's something funny you know in that trade show circuit with those sales reps you know that we worked with also you know that we're convinced convinced they could take your product everywhere you know
0: <laughs> and maybe this is a, a good time to let your I'll say, listeners. Even though it could be a listener, um, we should remind them that you and I actually started working on a book together called "The Mascot Moguls." Another yeah. great idea.
1: Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll get back to that one day, you know, because it was yeah. it was right after my other Story's title still being written. Yeah, it was right after my other title. What was yeah? Uh, remember that one? Uh, Michael Eisner bought my business, and then I successfully failed. <laughs> yes. That'll be out oh of the mascot God. book self publishing label uh, in twenty twenty. So,
0: which which actually, we've had some clunkers along the way. Come on, entrepreneurin, <laughs> you did not like that one.
1: I don't think that one's flying. But but seri- seriously though, because this this is where where you turned the corner though. Okay that you went from a licensing business, as we we get back on track a little bit, you went from a licensing business with product, okay, for the NCAA, NBA, Major League Baseball. I mean, you had pretty much every license under the sun, and you could have sat there and cranked out more of these, and you could have also watched the lines start going in the the opposite direction and get complacent and sit back on it. But instead of that, you saw an opportunity in self-publishing, now that you knew the publishing business. And you saw an opportunity in publishing and kind of where, the, the, no pun intended, but the writing on the wall of what was going on with your licensing business and for how long people were going to buy these books, if you will. You know, how many Red Sox titles can you, can you come out with, you know, after all? Um, and got involved in, in self-publishing and, and kind of dynamically changed your business and dynamically changed the trajectory of, of your business and, and your career personally.
0: Take, take us th- yeah, through so, that. I, I wish I could take all the credit for that, and it was just a confluence of factors, um, which i talked about before, and I call, I call it the quadruple whammy um, that happened. Uh, right around 2008 time frame, um, the business went through some uh, major upheaval. Um, any one of these four things should have killed the company on the spot. And the first is um, our biggest distributor A book distributor, if you know anything about the book industry, it's the distributor, or a lot of industries, it's the distributor that gets you onto the sales floor. And this was our first year that we were actually, we turned the corner, we were making, um, you know, we surpassed a million dollars in revenue. And uh, a distributor was responsible for getting our product onto the sales floor at Costco and Sam's Club. And uh, that year, I remember, it was uh, 1.2 million in sales we had. And 450,000 of it was run through this distributor. And for any business, and a small business in particular, um, I knew that my, my that money was due at the end of December of that year. And so I walked by my bookkeeper's office that day, and she said, she was on the phone with the distributor, because I was like, hey, call them. we got to get paid. And so I heard her say, oh, you filed for bankruptcy. And so she didn't know what that meant, but I certainly did. So um, that was the first thing that happened. And then the second thing that happened was, uh, the crash of 2008, you know, fortunately, we had all of our POs in at the time, but 2009 sucked, and 2010 was even worse. Um, and then some on the personal side, um, you know, we mentioned my divorce uh, from my co-found- co-founder. Um, that was all going on at the same time. Um, so, and then the last factor was a realization that, uh, you know, we have done such a good job in the licensed children's book space, that we have uh, saturated the market. So University of Alabama, great market, no doubt. They really don't need 15 children's books. And so what I noticed is uh, sales were starting to decline. Um, and I was just trying to get over these other three hurdles that I mentioned. Um, and, and so it became clear to me that if we were gonna survive, we absolutely had to shift. And right around that time, um, self-publishing was really taking off. And what we, what we did is we analyzed the self-publishing market, and we noticed uh, a couple things. Number one, um, there, was, there were some real uh, problems with production. And if you have not produced a book, chances are you're not going to be able to produce a book that is of high enough quality to compete with the big houses in New York. So production was an issue. And number two, distribution was also an issue. Even if you produced the most beautiful book, if you didn't have the... Channels in place and the relationship, relationships, excuse me, with the buyers in place, you are not going to be able to effectively distribute your book. And so, what we had is we had a track record of at that point in time six, seven years of producing high quality books and distributing them. And so, um, we we thought, well, you know what, maybe it's time to shift to the self publishing market. And actually, I don't, I, you know what we do now is not really the self publishing market. It's more of a hybrid market where. Um, you know, we're somewhere between pure self-publishing on one hand and traditional publishing on the other. And we help people who have good content, professionally package that content into book form or ebook form, and we help them with distribution. So just like um, coming into the market on the backs of brands that people uh, knew helped us initially in publishing, what we do is we help uh, take the risk out of publishing for those that have good content in that we will we will create a first-class book and give them access to distribution. And so that was the shift, and it probably, um, you know, it was a slow shift. And I remember the first year we did it was, was probably 2009, and 99% of our revenue was from our, you know, legacy mascot books, the, the books that are licensed by college and professional sports teams, and 1% was self-publishing. Um, whereas today in twenty seventeen um we're about ninety nine percent uh working with outside authors to help them successfully bring their books to market and one percent where we sell our own own product and so that's the that's how the transition transition actually occurred
1: huge and 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 you actually also these authors just just so that everybody understands these these authors and these clients of yours. They actually pay you to produce this. You're not signing them you know, or, or paying them. It's the other way around. They're coming to you and paying you to produce this content.
0: Yeah, that's right. And and so, you know, um, the the likelihood of an author, unless they are uh, a celebrity or have a track record of selling books, they're not going to get a deal from Random House or Penguin um, or any of the big five in New York, it's just not going to happen. And I don't care how good your content is, and so that's a shame. Um, if in fact you got good content, but you don't fit the criteria, these these big houses in New York are actually quite lazy. They want a sure thing, and uh, they're not willing to look at anything that isn't represented by an agent, um, and and you know, gone through the the old boy network, I call it. Um, that's in place um, for traditional. Publishers, and so what we've done, what we've done, and, and others also. So I don't want to make it seem like we're the only only ones doing it. Is um, so that's on one hand, and then and then on the pure self publishing end, it is a crowded field out there. Uh, the barriers to entry are low, and you know, Greg, you can have your book published on Amazon CreateSpace by the time we're done with this podcast. If you wanted to, um, you and everybody else out there. So. Um, there's this middle ground here that we, we're really cultivating and being very successful at.
1: So with, with that with that in mind, these, these are individuals out there again. So what you bank on as well as, is that people are banking on themselves. Right? I mean, they have an idea. They're able to create and write this content. And they're coming to you and they're saying, look, this is – this is my album, you know. This is my book. I, I'm believing in myself, and you guys really the production and distribution entity now that that makes it happen for
0: them. Yeah, that's right. And and so you know, there's a there's an allocation of risk here. And so if if you're if we're asking somebody to fund the production end, um, we're also going to give them the line share on the distribution end. And so you know, whereas in the traditional model, um, you might get 10% of sales um, in our model or, or 15% in our model, you're going to get 85% of sales, but you're also going to be at risk on the production. Mm-hmm. end.
1: Yep. And look, if you've got real talent and you're going to market it and, and you're banking on yourself again, that it, that it's going to pay off. That's, that's how that works.
0: Yeah. And, and, and just a quick note, uh, follow up on that, Greg, um, I've never talked to an author, whether they're, they're published by Random House, Mascot, or anybody else, who said their publishing company exceeded their, repu- their, um, their expectations when it comes to sales and marketing. And so the reason why I say that is whether you're published by Random House or Mascot, the author must be engaged in the marketing of their book. And so you know, uh, publishing by the big five doesn't mean you can just sit back and do nothing. You've got to work your ass off as well. Yep, And today, if you've got if you've got access to your readers um, via social media or, um, you know, just authors today have access to their readers, um, it Just it's just more readily available given social media. And if you've got access to your readers, if you've done a good job of cultivating them, you've got databases, and your next book is coming out, and um, you want a line share of the proceeds, our model is the better one for you. And we've got traditionally published authors that have... Switched from New York to Washington D.C., where we're headquartered, um, and have been successful doing that.
1: that. That's that's an excellent excellent point. Um, and and let's talk about that a little bit. The types of authors and people that you do work with. I think there are probably some people out there that are thinking that it's you know it's fiction or it's nonfiction or whatever it is. But a lot of what you do is is quote unquote real people, real you know, business business people who want to talk about or write about what their area of, of particular expertise, whether it's, you know, we've talked about this, whether it's insurance or, or risk management, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's religion, who are the types of, of authors that you work with? What are the types of calls that you field every day for, Hey, I want to do a book.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm really fortunate. And, you know, we've been in business for a long time. We're going to, you know, going on 15 years, and I've got a great staff and a team. Uh, we've got 20 folks, so I'm not a one-person shop. And over that, you, over those, all those years in business, um, we've established a great reputation, which isn't uh, the case uh, with, in our industry. Um, so that, that makes what I do a lot easier. And so um, I'll, I'll just give you some examples of some product, projects that we've worked with and on. Um, anybody that is an expert in their particular field Um, and wants to further establish their expertise and provide themselves opportunities for perhaps speaking or, uh, you know, blogging or whatever the case. And, you know, one comes to mind, several comes to mind, come to mind right now, and I'll just share a few with you. Um, we're working with a a woman, Melissa Agnes, who is one of the experts in the area of crisis management. Um, she's got an incredible practice where she, Consults on crisis management. She speaks on crisis management, and what she did not have is a book um, on crisis management. And so, w- her book will be coming out here in the next couple months, and and that'll be a boon to her practice, and it will also be a creative outlet for her. And uh, you know that she's just one example. Um, we have others, and and we're talking about high caliber, uh, accomplished people. Um, we, we're working on a project right now called Survival to Thrival. Um, it is a, a CEO in Silicon Valley and um, his venture fund. Um, Bob Tinker is his name, and Tehi Nam is the uh, principal at Storm Ventures. And so we're writing a book, um, publishing a book with them about uh, starting an uh, enterprise, enterprise technology company. And, um, you know, again... Uh, This is just something that will enhance uh, both of their platforms and also dispense some really valuable information for um, entrepreneurs and would-be entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, those are just two. I can think of uh, several more, but I don't want to bore you or your listeners with that just right now.
1: (laughs) Well, I I certainly appreciate that. Uh, And... and (laughs) not to not to get all get all formal you know on it or anything uh, anything like that either um which it's great about the business okay the business is 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 one aspect of it and and we talk about it all the time and and, and offline even just the other day you're 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 telling me what you're telling me about the month that you guys have had and and how successful it was and and what you're responsible for in terms of of the sales and what your staff is responsible for in terms of the sale uh, and the business and that's and and that's and that's terrific. Obviously, as you said, you've been at this for a long time and developed a really good good reputation. Let's let's talk about the let's let's talk about the other the other side of this, the toll that this takes. You know that we often talk about, kind of personally as well. You know, and keeping things in perspective um, and and in balance. Where are you now, and and kind of personally? I mean, you you weathered those those. Three, four instances that you talked about. Um, you're remarried now. You're a dad. The business has got 20, you know, some odd employees. Take me, take me through the personal, personal side of things too. Um, Cause it's really about, about the journey of this that we, that we always kind of, kind of touch on those frustrations, the trials, the tribulations. And obviously, you're not a throw in the towel guy. Um, you, you've kept this going. But what about the personal side? Where, where are you at now?
0: Um, Okay, so now I'm talking to my my shrink, Greg.
1: Yeah, well, we do this anyway. I just don't put it out there for everybody, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for asking, Greg. So um, what can I tell you? Uh, Being an entrepreneur is hard work. Every day is a struggle. Um, Every day is a war. And that's just when you're successful. Um, and so, you know, I, I talked about some of my, my challenges and um, it, just quitting just was never an option. Uh, it's At some point, you get so far into something that there's no, there's no uh, coming back from it. And that's how I feel about Mascot Books. Unfortunately, the business is going great, and which leads me to answer your question. And so I feel like um, I'm in a good place in the business. And because I'm in the good, a good place in the business, um, uh, I feel like I'm in a good place personally as well. Um, but again, it's hard. It's hard to, uh, you know, juggle the responsibilities of being a father, um, a husband, and, you know, trying to hang out with your buddies every once in a while, um, do some of the things that you like to do. Um, but I feel like I'm a work in progress. And, um, you know, getting that balance is, uh, I don't, I don't know that anybody's ever like achieved that. If you have, man, I want to talk to you. Um, but those so two a, things are, they they go, sort of strive. Yeah, it's something that I strive to, um, and I would say that um, you know I'm not there yet, unfortunately.
1: But, but i was saying like those two things go go hand in hand. You know, like when the when the business is going well, it certainly seems like personally it's 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 easier for things to go well, also. You know, but you know when when shit's going wrong at home, um, it it sometimes crosses over to the business too. I mean, I've talked to some guys and they said, no, you know, look my my Personal life was, was was shit, but I was able to really put my, you know, invest my time and, and all my energies into the business. And I had my best years in business, uh, you know, when things weren't going well at, at home. I, I've never been one of those. You know, I think they go, they go hand in hand. Um, but it seems like even in, in your case, when things maybe weren't going as well, Personally, you know, you've been one of those guys who was able to kind of also roll up your sleeves, take ownership of the business. Hey, this is mine. I'm going to go blow through it and build it up anyway. Um, and and you were able to kind of separate the two.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and um, and yeah. So I'll just go back to this isn't probably the most eloquent thing, but it's it's just it's just hard. Um, you know, to get to do what needs to be done as an entrepreneur and also balance. Um, your personal life and um, I I, some things that I'm not good at. Maybe we'll start with that. And maybe we don't have enough time for that. Um, I'm not, I'm not good at uh, uh, really giving them stopping and giving myself credit for uh, things accomplished. Um, Instead, I'm always looking to the future and what's left to be done. Um, And that. so that's something that I got to work on. And I, and I know that.
1: I think that's pretty, pretty typical of of also of, of most type a personality you know successful entrepreneurs that you're not looking uh hey i i i got where i want to go like this is good enough you know um it's always what's 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 next you know where where are we going where are we going from here you know with this um and actually it's, it's, it's a good... and also
0: and also greg you know the, the the fine line between um quote unquote, success and failure it's actually a fine line i mean you know um a break here a break there and you know things don't work out the way they have and i and i appreciate that and i i um I acknowledge that so it's not it, it, some luck comes into it believe it or not
1: oh definitely i mean it's certainly better to be <laughs> better to be lucky lucky than good you know for sure and i do think it's it's a combination um of all that but you've had your finger on the pulse kind of of the industry and and timing um in areas, so
0: where and, and also, so you ask about personal. There's there's this other realization, like I'm I'm uh, going to be 48 this year. Um, when you enter your late 40s, all of a sudden, you know you're almost 50. And I know, yes, math is uh, my strong suit. <laughs> um, and then you know that, that's when, like all of a sudden, you start thinking about retirement, and you know these things. You don't think about when you're younger. So you, I've come to the realization now that I don't, I can't, you know, go as hard as I've been going um, for too much longer. And then I got to start thinking about a. I'm a planner, so I, you know, start planning about, you know, what it looks like to um, slow down, personal, uh, in terms of business, and how it affects my personal. Um, and you know, that kind of, it kind of actually bums me out a little bit just to think of the fact that, uh, you know, I'm gonna have to start thinking more seriously about those things that, you know, whereas in, when you're in your thirties, twenties, of course, it's not even a, a, a seed of a thought.
1: Yeah. So that seems to be kind of a Sunday night thing, right? We're do, so we're doing this on a Monday right now? I mean, does that seem to be like a Sunday night thing? Cause it is, cause it is for me. I actually think that woke me up this morning at about, <laughs> at about 5am thinking, Oh crap. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's my son's 14th birthday today. And, and how do I have a 14 year old and, and planning, as you said, for, okay, well, wow, we've got college to deal with and, and all of a sudden there's going to be a car in the picture and then eventually there's going to be retirement in the picture and we just got back from this trip that we got to pay off and we got, you know, uh, two businesses to run and it gets pretty pretty freaking scary, right? When 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 you're the guy you know, that, that's got to deal with that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and then you realize that uh, you don't have that much time to do all these <laughs> cool things that you thought you would do or you didn't give a second thought to doing when you're in your twenties and thirties. And so, um, cause on one and, hand, right. Like, I'm, coming to, I'm yeah, coming to grips with that.
1: Yeah. Cause on one hand, like you don't feel any older. On the other hand, you go remind yourself of actually how old you are and how long you've been doing this. And, and you're like, Oh shit, maybe I am kind of headed on, on the other side, you know, <laughs> of, the, of this mountain now. So we gotta, we gotta figure some things out because we can't just put it off till tomorrow, uh, on there. So, so, and and
0: when you're slowing down, you know you got to. I think there ought there ought to come a time where you're content, and um, I think I don't know. I'm just not there. (laughs) And
1: yeah, I I um, wouldn't. I wouldn't know about that. I mean, we've got we got more row studios to open. I got a bigger book. Yeah, I mean, we all we all do. Um, As I said, I've got got more studios to open. I got more business that we got to write. I got more shows that we got to do. We got another book we got to write. I mean slowing down is not even it's not in the conversation you know right now other than the the aches and pains that I can't figure out how that started started happening but slowing down's <laughs> not not in the picture so and i don't and I don't see it that way that way for you either so where 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 does mascot books go uh, kind of from here you know where where are you thinking and, and gonna take this company to um and then maybe as you talk what what would be the slowdown or what would what would be the exit?
0: Yeah, so um, I think about this more and more uh, every month. And so where we go from here is um, we're seeing a lot of really great projects, some interesting people. Um, I said I wouldn't bore you and your listeners with the, um, too many of them, but I will tell you one more. We, we did a memoir for a managing director at the Carlisle Group, um, who happens to be a four-time international whistling champion, um, and so do you just, say a
1: whistling uh, champion?
0: Yes, I said whistling. Thank so you. So you
1: could do a book on that?
0: Yeah, we did, and it's a really entertaining book. It's called "Find Your Whistle," and the guy's name is Christopher Ullman. Um, and so he's 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 a, another example of the type of author that we're seeing: people with great stories. So what what I want to do is I want to keep introducing great stories, great content. Um, I'll, I want to keep putting that out there for the next, you know, the near term. Um, and of course, in terms of uh, business, I want to continue growing the business. I want to, you know, have more revenue and more profits. Who doesn't, right? And then um, I've got a milestone coming up in about four years when my youngest will start college. And mm-hmm. I know that's that's scary. You talked about your fourteen-year-old. So I've got a I got a fourteen-year-old uh, um, who's starting ninth grade this year. And so when she starts college, I want to be in a position to uh, possibly do something else. But, you know, I don't know what four years is a lifetime in terms of uh, where I am and you mm-hmm. know, where we are at that point in time. But at that point, I can see maybe doing something else and, you know, start thinking about an exit.
1: Well, it's a, it's, it's a little ways away, as, as, you, as you said. But but thinking about it and keeping it all in perspective is is part of the motivation. I I would assume also in in, in there, uh, and maybe maybe it's a podcast with all these authors. You know, get them all in and get them to talk to talk about their books, their whistling championships, everything else. What's the other one? Are you you still doing the? Uh, I always remember this. You still talking about to, uh, to, to Brickshaw Ferguson? You still doing his stuff?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did his his children's book. Uh, his offensive lineman for the Jets. Yep. Um, yeah, we did that, and 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 so. Um, something else that we just launched a couple months ago is an author platform service. I think I told you about this, Craig, didn't I?
1: Oh, uh, Yeah, but, but for, the, uh, for those out there, yeah, take, take us through it because you and I, uh, we don't usually do this microphone to, to microphone. We usually do this uh, cell
0: phone, cell phone <laughs> sure. to cell phone. <laughs> sure. So it's called, uh, it's called Beast Sellers. Not Best Sellers, but Beast Sellers. And what B-Sellers is, is a alternative to book publicists and PR companies. Okay. And so um, we're providing, uh, our tagline is ferocious marketing for both traditionally and, and independently published authors. We just launched that two months ago. And I'm happy to report we've already got eight clients. And we've capped the number of clients at eight. And we're delivering on these um, engagements. And we're doing things like brand which means websites, um, social, media, of course, um, content where we're uh, creating content, ghostwriting content for them in, ter- in the form of blogs and pushing them out to the Internet. And uh, we're also doing uh, media outreach and a speakers bureau. So this is, um, you know, some of the missing pieces that we haven't had in a comprehensive fashion that we've just started. And so it's almost like starting another company right now. So um, I'm busy in that. So how
1: do you it's now I start thinking about your process a little bit. How do you make your decisions and and determine, you know, what areas you want to focus on or what initiatives you want to you you want to do? I mean, because now we're getting into some really some really interesting stuff. And it seems like, you know, you you kick around some ideas. Yeah. Go, you know what? Well, mascot should have a. We should have a Speakers Bureau, you know, something or like how do you what's your process to say, OK, we're going to go forward with this or or we're going to scrap this, you know.
0: So what I what I see and I talk to a lot of authors and I know, um, you know, where they need help. And I know many authors that have hired expensive PR firms uh, enrolled in Speakers bureaus, um, have been dissatisfied with uh, both of those. Um, choices and so uh, I partnered with a gentleman that is a New York Times best-selling author and a marketing genius and we came up with this solution because we felt like there was a business opportunity there to um, meet that demand and the early returns have been good Um, and so that's just an example of where uh, we think we can add value in other areas that aren't right now the core of what we do
1: Mm -hmm. so ideally if I I go through this so you get somebody potentially who, who approaches you. Um, you do a book with them. They could be renowned or an expert in some, in some area. And now you guys also have the ability to represent them for, for speaking engagements um, and other areas where they could be a value and, and, and again, get significant uh, return on their investment.
0: That's right. That's right. And, um, and so that's the theory. Yeah. And so far it, uh, it, it seems to be successful and um, we're still working out the kinks, but that's that's it. End to end solution is what we're establishing.
1: Are you seeing? I mean, are you seeing the trend uh, from let's say, you know, actual hard goods? You know, people actually buying books um, versus let's say ebooks or, or or audio books or how do people want to get their content? I mean, what are you concerned about that and 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 kind of where yeah. where do as as a publisher? You know, again, what do you see as kind of being be an antiquated or be so in the future. You know, what are yeah, you cognizant of? So that's
0: a good question. That's
1: I, I had question. to have at least so one. I mean, during the conversation, I, I know, try to come know, up with so at least one good, good question. Good question
0: and, and now you got one.
1: Yeah. And, and we're at what 40, 48 minutes. Good. I got one in.
0: So, um, first of all, it depends on what, uh, genre we're talking about. I mean, in the kids market, I would say 95% of what we're selling is the physical book. Same being true for cookbooks and obviously coffee table books. Um, but by the way, we do have uh, ebooks and audiobook solution, and so uh, when, you, when you start talking about fiction and nonfiction, that's when you're going to see a higher percentage of your sales um, being in the ebook format. And mm-hmm. the, one, the one clarification I will tell you is that um, the more famous the author the higher percentage of their sales are going to be in the ebook formats, so if you're a first time author, um, that means that you're still going to sell about seventy five percent of your books as physical books okay and oh. those, by the way, physical books aren't going away anytime soon. Um, you know there's some some trends that indicate that you know we bottomed out in the physical versus ebook uh, race. Um, independent bookstores are making a comeback because people are nostalgic for physical books and the experience of shopping at an independent bookstore.
1: Well, you've heard you heard it here first. That's where you're placing your bet. Physical physical books are not going anywhere, okay? So when, they, know, go, when they go when they go the way of the cassette I, or what did you say earlier the Betamax, right? Okay.
0: Betamax. Yes.
1: Yes. You're 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 putting five it out there ago, right now. They're not going anywhere.
0: 5 years ago I predicted that getting into the independent book store space was a good bet. Everyone laughed at me. Now who's laughing, right?
1: <laughs> nobody anymore. I remember. Yeah, yeah, film film wasn't going anywhere either for Kodak, right? <laughs> That's right. But don't don't worry. You're gonna be you're gonna be fine. And I don't I don't worry about you. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can come on and co-host this thing with me when the when the bottom drops out of that publishing whole deal that you got going on, right? <laughs> okay, so. We covered kinda kinda the start of Mascot Books. Um, it is mascotbooks.com, com, right?
0: Mascotbooks.com com and beastsellers.com. dot
1: com. Not bestsellers, but beastsellers com. Gotcha. So mascotbooks.com, dot dot com. You've kinda you've taken us through the journey of, of licensed children's book entertainment uh, into the world of, of self publishing. Uh, and now I guess almost Talent and speaker representation that that is there. It, it's been a it's been a heck of a road. I encourage everybody to check out those websites. If you've got an idea for a book, uh, Naren is is your guy. Uh, you are welcome on the show anytime. We will do more episodes uh, for sure, um, touching on everything we end up talking about offline. Uh, we should record those calls seriously and, and put some of them out there, but. Seriously, you have become a a great mentor, a great advisor, um, a great, a great friend. And I'm super proud of everything that you have accomplished with, with your business. And, and I can't wait to see, uh, see where it, where it goes from here, because shockingly enough, you'll probably end up retired before I will.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll see about that, but, uh, I I really appreciate this opportunity to join, uh, your podcast and (laughs) the host of listeners out there, um, Thank you so much, Greg. Yeah, so
1: here's the thing. You can now rip this off, too, right? Okay? You can you can now start one, start one yourself. You, figure, you know what? You know, I pick your brain on a bunch of stuff. You know, you can come steal something from me. It all works out in the end, right? Perfect. Yes. Naren Ariel, Mascot Books. Thank you for being on the Greg Shaman Podcast. And, uh, hey, I'll talk to you offline as well, and we'll get you back on here real soon. Thanks, Naren.
0: All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. The Greg Scheinman Podcast was presented by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit Innsgroup.net.